drums, please. Hi, it's me, Ash Kanazi, your favorite North London Jewish queen. I am here to bring to you the secrets from the pink room. Pink room, pink room, it's the pink room, pink room, pink room with the Nazi. Pink room, pink room, it's the pink room, pink room, pink room, not the stink room. Hi, my bubblers, it's me, Ashkenazi, reminding you that Pride is for queers, not corporations. Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Pink Room, the queerest backstage area since Britney spent that night at the LGBT Community Centre. For those that know, hi. For those that don't know, I'm Ashkenazi, known popper huffer, known amateur opera singer, and unknown podcast host. Each week, I invite a special guest into the pink room where we discuss all things of that elusive backstage life. For our first episode, we have the wickedly talented Mac DeMarco, the patron saint of touring. Some Mac wiki for you. Mac, otherwise known as McBriar Samuel Lanyon Mac DeMarco, born Werner Winfield McBriar Smith IV. I've no idea if that's a joke or not. Canadian singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and purveyor of what has been described as blue wave, slacker rock, or by Mac himself, jizz jazz. Mac is known for his stage antics, and I've seen him in a number of compromising positions, but none more compromising than the pink room. So here it is, Mac DeMarco in the pink room with me, Ashkenazi. Right now, I've got a special friend in the pink room. He's viceroy smoking, crowd surfing, nipple hair burning, one and only Mac DeMarco. How you doing, bud? Doing well. Happy to see you. Would that be all the things you would describe yourself as? You forgot 25% Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of jumped into your green room a number of times in full drag and been like, hey, honey, let's talk about those, t- <laughs> those times. Last time was in Southampton. That's right. Halloween. Halloween. Or was, it, was it Halloween or was it like close to Halloween? I think it was Halloween night on the train. I got into this look, which mm-hmm. uh, for audio viewers only is fifth element Lilu in the white outfit that she's born in, but in black to add a little contrast and mm-hmm. the like orange wig. If I'm that look, what is a typical Mac on tour look? I feel like my look doesn't matter if I'm on tour, doesn't matter if I'm, it's always, it's just been, uh, you know, pants, probably jeans, t-shirt, one of these. It's about it. Smell of cigarette, probably, and then that's about that's about as as good as it gets for me. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> this is new, actually. Here we got a little bit of a little caterpillar growth. I've been trying this this year, but uh, better than I could do when I was a teenager. So I'm happy. You know, is it is that a pandemic choice? I I guess in a way, yeah. 
there was, you know, there's been months where like, I just kind of, uh, have let it all come out. But like when I let the beard go and stuff, it, it's, I start looking like, you know, very, uh, I don't know if it's ill or like kind of like rednecky or something, but, um, it's not a good vibe, but this, I don't know. This is, I like, I, there's something up, you know, when I was younger, I used to really want a mustache and me and my friends used to use, uh, you know, that like just for men, like black hair dye. We had these little like blonde rat stashes and we would try and get a little just for men in there to, you know, try and accentuate what we had. But, um, it, uh, yeah, it never really came through. And even now, like this is kind of blonde. It kind of looks like there's just a little bit of mold growing on my lip, but, um, I, can, I like it. I can live with it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's slug worthy. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got a theory for you. It's called Dalism, all right? Mm-hmm. And it's my new capitalism. Have you read Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Uh, I never read it, but I've seen, I in think, a couple story. iterations of the movie, yeah. The film is good enough, but basically the reason it's called Dalism is because Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory provides a critique of life in general. So the glass elevator is like, you know, glass ceiling, uh transparency how do you know what is the you know big boss doing in like his glass tower right you've got like fat shaming with the kid that eats the chocolate you've got the golden ticket idea Mm -hmm. like that capitalism is like you know just as like one golden ticket that's gonna get you to the dream of like existence you got uh the the oompa loompas which is like you know colonialism and whatnot what are your thoughts on Dalism then? Any, any, uh, any, any point? I, I mean, I, I never, you know, I, it makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. I never really watched the, the movie with that, you know, framework in mind, but that, yeah. Okay. I'll take it. I, I will take that. <laughs> okay. So there was a period of time or there still is time where there is a political theory called Mac DeMarcoism, right? Really? Oh, well, I met kids who were like, whose life was to to be you right mm, yeah i mean I, well, I've, uh, maybe there's still some out there i don't know but i feel like a lot of bands get that you know it's just like kids look up to something and then i did it when i was a kid too i, I remember going to the uh you know the thrift store when i was a kid and i was like albert hammond jr from the strokes where's where's like a suit jacket vest sometimes maybe i could pull it off and i got one i was like this is not this is not the look for me you know but but i don't know if i mean maybe I, maybe it was kind of more of just like a vibe thing rather than like an ideology. I mean, I don't know. I think the thing that I always tried to do was like, you can do it. You can, you know, go get the guitar, go, you know, make yeah. the song, record the song, do the thing. So maybe kids took that. I mean, a couple of kids took that a little too literally maybe and just kind of carbon copied my stuff. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that were like, from my perspective, there was certainly an ideology to it. And it had like prerequisites, right? There was the cap, there was the viceroys, there was the like certain like chorus sound on the guitar. Yeah. Um, and a lot of kids caught that vibe. How do you feel now, like, 10 years down the line? And how do you look back at it and kind of make sense of it? I don't really, you know, I still don't, I don't really, you know, I, it's weird. It's especially being off tour for so long. I feel like, Cause I haven't been off tour for more than like three months in like a decade till coronavirus, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, I never really got a chance to think about anything. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. kind of like, no, oh, that's pretty weird. Okay. Let's get back on the plane. You know what I mean? Which I love. And I think it's great, but uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I think this year I've started kind of looking at it a lot more. And also, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and it's not like I'm on my first or second record anymore. And it's not, you know, this insane, I mean, maybe it's still insane. I'm not on the social media stuff either. So it's like, I don't, maybe it's not up in my face. Maybe it doesn't exist anymore. I have no idea, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird to like, you know, see kids on a daily basis that, you know, I'm wearing the clothes that I'm wearing that I look forward and they're wearing the exact same clothes too. That's a strange thing. You know, it's like a, yeah. some kind of weird distorted me- mirror or something, you know, but uh, I don't know if I can, if I can make kids feel like they're part of something or that, you know, that give them the, the some kind of, uh, you know, confidence or something to be like, I want to do what he's doing. That's great. You know, it's like, if I didn't have that when I was their age and I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I mean, I guess, you know, is what I'm doing now good? A good thing? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I just got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? If you're providing the confidence to kids now, who gave you the confidence to be like, I'm going to grab a guitar, I'm going to get up on stage, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, and people are going to enjoy it? Who did you look at and, and was like, I, I'm going to take that and a piece of that and feel confident enough to get up and do it? For me, it was, uh, I mean, in Canada, um it was the local scenes it was like because especially where i lived i lived in edmonton alberta which is like very i mean it's not a small it's a city it's like a million people or something but it's not like most people don't know where it is you know it's like not famous for well it was famous for we had a big mall for a little while we had one of the world's a lot of people call him the greatest hockey player of all time mr wayne gretzky but he left he went to the los angeles kings back in the 90s i don't know very much about hockey but um but anyway, what I'm trying to say, not a huge place, not a lot of stuff coming through there. Most bands will dip up to Vancouver, you know, come back down, go across the States, maybe do Toronto and Montreal, maybe Ottawa. But um, so we didn't get a lot of stuff. So, the, you know, uh, what I but there was a, a scene when I was in high school of like older people, people in their 20s, 30s, whatever. And I was like 16 or something. And somehow I was able to slip in there. Yeah, what started going to these shows, a lot of these some of the older people kind of took me under their wing. And uh, th- I think that the thing too, was that it was like, you know, when, when you're a, a young person and you're playing, especially in my experience with guitar, I knew a lot of kids played guitar and it was kind of like, I got to keep practicing, man, till I can, you know, do that ACDC vibrato. You know, you, you want, you're weighing yourself against these classic rock bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. So practice, practice, practice. And then I went and saw these bands and it was real life. They're playing their songs you know, a lot of the time the songs were like kind of whatever, like they didn't really know how to play their instrument. You know, it was just kind of this weird uh, expression thing instead. And I was kind of like, oh, you can kind of just do it. So there was that. And I went out to Vancouver. There was more of that. And I think that it was just, uh, you know, going sometimes all ages shows, but I think it was more, I was just trying to sneak into the the bar or whatever and see them. But, you know, it, that kind of community that like, you know, people were doing it and it, nobody's making any money. People were just doing it because they like to do it. I think it was like, okay, I want to do that too. Let's go. Yeah. So you've like become the figurehead of that community now. Are people still in that community or like someone else moved on or like, are they all in bands that have moved on with you as well? I don't know. I think, I mean, the scenes that, you know, the really old scenes that I was a part of, I'm sure, you know, I, I'm in touch with a couple people that were playing, that I used to play with back in the day. And I follow and people, you know, people are still, I think a lot of people are still making art, making music, doing other things, whatever. But I think, you know, in regards to that, like where I'm at now, even where I've been at for quite a while, you know, 
it's um, I think it's almost like when, once you get the the review on the big blog or you do the this or the that, then they're kind of like, ah, oh, he's gone, he's gone now, he's yeah, you know, he's out, which is fair enough. But uh, but it is funny to think about because you know I lived in Montreal for years, I lived in New York, and now I live here, and I think in most in Montreal maybe a little bit, but in New York and Los Angeles, like I don't feel like I'm part of any kind of local thing. These cities are so big, and it's like yeah. you know. I'm not like part of the Echo Park scene or something. I'm just, you know, the first shows that I played in these cities were like 500 cap venues. Like that's not really, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not, I, it's weird. I'm I'm part of a scene, but the scene is like of maybe of bands that I see when I travel, you know, yeah. yeah. like when I see y'all out there or whatever, or like, you yeah. know, bands that we see at festivals or whatever. It's like, it's like, oh, here are my people. You know what I mean? It's strange. So that so let's let's like dive into that like because every time we bumped into each other, I saw you. I think at every different stage of touring, you guys played with us at uh, where was it? Music Hall of Williamsburg? Yeah, we did that one. That was how many years ago? That was like seven years ago or something. That was a long time ago. That was four yeah. years ago. We were supposed to fly out of LA, and Michelle called us. Uh, shout out Michelle, big time. Yeah. Michelle called us and was like, hey, we need a support for Max Show in New York. If you can get across the country in three days, you're you're on. And uh, we were like, okay, then. So we got in the van <laughs> and we drove all the way. No, I didn't stop. know that. Maybe you told me at the time, but that's insane. We were such like spring chickens, right? Mm, mm. We were just like so excited to be in America. And the thought of playing with you would just like set us off. And we just drove. We we stopped in Columbus for a bit, but otherwise we didn't have any sleep. And we turned up and we were like bleary eyed and stuff. <laughs> I never want to wake up in a tour van again on the third day and see the sunrise a third <laughs> That, you know that was too much that's a pretty long haul that's pretty yeah. insane so I, yeah i mean i wouldn't recommend that but you don't want to be on a long haul or is it just the you tour van in general you're done you don't want to do uh do you know a tour van i'm done okay long, i'm a bus boy now like, okay straight up i need room have all my bits of drag have a beauty sleep and then also like you know, if I'm on Grinder in the city, I'd be like, oh, come check out my, my tour bus. Okay, um, bus. Yeah, so the bus. You could get one of those rolling uh, uh, wardrobe cabinets, the, like, huge... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always, like, fascinating me that you never went for the bus. Or do you go for the bus? Well, now? we did eventually. That was my whole thing for a long time. I was kind of like, fuck the bus. Like, I'll never take a bus. I'm punk, you know? And then it got to, uh, it was around the time when I was writing my last record and I was like, I just, I had a feeling, I was like, I'm not going to be, I, I don't think I'm going to get this done in time. So my idea was like, we had this Europe tour that we were going on. It was going to be really long. And I was like, well, maybe if we got a bus, I could set up a little studio yeah. and I could write while we're touring. And then, so we did get one and I brought all this, this huge Pelican case full of all this gear. It was like so the studio was so convoluted that like the, the, the idea that I had, I was like, yeah, I need all this stuff or I won't be able to do what I do. <laughs> and and I set it up in the back lounge and like maybe used it like for a total of like 20 minutes on that tour, you know, like barely used it. And um, but I, I didn't mind the bus out there in Europe. Um, and we've done it. I think we've done it three times over there. And then we, we've only done it once in the States and in the States. In Europe, I don't mind because I don't understand, you know, it's, I'm not from that part of the world. So it's like, I, 
I don't really, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is in the States, it's like when we're driving around, I like being in like a sprinter or an econo line, even though it's cramped and kind of uncomfortable, but it's like, you can stop at the lake. Like, oh, there's that restaurant that we ate six years ago. You know, I, I, I like have, uh, there's like markers and stuff for me. So I like that. Like maybe there's like more obsession with like the bus in Europe. I don't know. The buses like, in Europe are also just nicer. You get that double decker, you yeah. know, it's high tech. They got those, yeah. those hard drives full of movies. You're watching all the Harry Potters. My God. It's nice. <laughs> Which is your favorite Harry Potter? Um, honestly, I gotta say, I, what is the first one? Philosopher's Stone. That's the first one. I think that's the only one where I can deal with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, you know, he's a kid. I think it, for me, it's the same with all of those movies. Like the, because I, I kind of feel like Harry Potter is a bit of a superhero movie, but I, I get hooked on the the uh, the origin story. You know, it's like Iron Man in the shed, like building the suit, like Batman's parents get killed, Spider Man gets bit. That's yeah. where I get hooked in. You know, so. So Harry's like at the, what's the Diagon Alley? And he's like, oh my God, what's going on? There's like shit flying around. Like that's, uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> After that, it's all just kind of like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. There's Ron, there's Hermione, whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I still think my favorite scene is at the Dursleys. I think in Chamber of Secrets, he gets 36 presents instead of 37 that he had the year before. And he gets like well gassed about it. Yeah. <laughs> um poor poor Dursleys. So on tour, what keeps you grounded? One of my favorite shows I ever saw was you at Nabucco in like Oh in yeah. And you gen you got carried out of the venue onto the street. Yeah. And I like and you were gone for like a good 20 minutes and then came yeah. back and finished together. That was a solo show too. So while I was gone, it was just completely silent. <laughs> Just so yeah. Yeah. it was and there were all these like school desks at the back of the room i don't know why so i just sat down and looked inside and there were like pens and pencils i get um, to work yeah there yeah no, I just, that's kind of like that's my kind of gig but yeah i mean as far as staying ground i don't know i mean it's that's the fun you know i've been thinking about that a lot this year too this year i mean i've just kind of been at my house all year i haven't drank in a year which is like wow. i think you know pretty long for me it's yeah. not like I think I, I would be considered a binge alcoholic. So it's kind of like, I, I don't, I didn't necessarily have an issue not drinking. Like it wasn't like hard withdrawals or anything, but it's just like, I have, I'm not partying and there's nothing to do. So like, why would I, you know, but, um, but I mean, I, what I'm going to, you know, it's like thinking about touring and like thinking about how drunk I was like every day for like 10 years, pretty much. It's like, I don't know. I think I, you know, I really just, when I'm out there, it's like, I just kind of lay back and, and let it take me where it takes me, you know, and like have fun, you know, ups, downs, you know, just let it, you know, let it happen, get into trouble, do this, do that. Although I will say at the end of, I always, I go through periods where like, I'll have, um, I'll need something to kind of subsidize the way I'm feeling out there. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, for example, on the last couple tours, we when we were in Australia, when we were in, um, I think Europe before that, it was like, I sometimes I'll need like a hobby or something. Like I, I actually over the last two years, I have actually started writing more on tour. Like I'll, you know, especially if we got a day off or if we're, you know, there's like a a long wait somewhere or something. I have a little setup that I so I do that kind of thing. I like walking around. Now a little more, I take pictures. I, you know, I, I, I carry this little 
sound recorder, get little sound, you know, of street yeah. sounds or whatever. Just things to, I don't know. I think I think I started feeling guilty that for years I had been, you know, I'd go to all these crazy world cities all over the place, and uh, I'd leave kind of being like, "What? Oh, wow, I've been here four times, and like I pretty much know about the green rooms in these venues, you know." So it's like, so, so I, I've been thinking a lot about that as well, and like I came to the conclusion that I understand more about a city by playing a show there than like let's say I was a tourist. Because you meet like you meet the soul of the city. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the part you know, and that's for me. I'd never play in Salt Lake City. (laughs) They got a really good uh, twenty-four hour chimichanga spot in Salt Lake City. Had it in two thousand eight. Tell you that. Do you have like an alphabetized memory of all the restaurants and all the green rooms? I got spots. I got spots that I love for sure. Like the best sandwich in the world, Sao Paulo, Estadão, downtown, 24-hour. Oh, my God. Pork butt on a Kaiser roll. They got suspended pepper hot sauce on the shelf. Cutest restaurant you'll ever see in your life, too. White tile everywhere, black grout. All the guys wear these little cute uniforms. There's fruit hanging from the ceiling and shit. Delicious, I'll tell you. But, uh, but no, I mean, you know, I think what you're right about, you know, that that's that's the reason, you know, because I'm not super attracted to like, I'm going to go to the museum today. I'm going to go see the like 900 year old monument, you know, because some of those things I am interested in, but it, I am more interested in like hanging with the kids at the show and being like, this is your city. What's the deal? You know, um, but that, that I think that, you know, there's that I have a funny relationship with that, too, because at a point in time, like years ago, you know, we were playing smaller shows and it was you know, you kind of play for the, the, the local scene, kind of. Some of those people come out and you meet like kind of like-minded people. Not yeah, saying that doesn't yeah. happen now, but now more or less, you know, so, I don't know. We play pretty big spots sometimes. And and I still do try and go out. Did Like, did you come Did you come out to the bar with us after the Southampton show? Oh, yeah. I was, about what I'm saying about that, it's just uh, sometimes now, because, you know, if things are bigger and it's like, and even what you were saying about this, like these kids that dress like me and stuff, it's like if I try and go out and have like an experience now, I, often it's just kind of like kids just want to ask me if I like know Tyler, the creator or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's, like, uh, it's stuff like that. You know, it's 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 a little hard to like actually have a connection sometimes. But because of that, I think especially in cities that I've been to a couple times before, it's like, oh, maybe I'll try and you know, see those people that I saw last time or, yeah. or you know, do the thing that I did before or try and so it's it's weird but it is weird to you know i am like essentially a professional tourist but like yes it's it's weird to i don't know it's hard to 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 get the experience sometimes but when you do get it it's great give me because i've seen some kids do some pretty cray shit to either get your attention or give you something wild a pig fetus yeah that's the og that that girl's name is uh ifa I think I don't know her last name, but yeah, she gave me a tattooed pig fetus. That was a long time ago. It was probably 2013 or something, but uh, yeah, she hooked it up. I mean, that was pretty strange. That was, yeah. I mean, because I think especially that because it was it was early in the game, and and I was kind of like, whoa, like what, <laughs> you know? Um, but I don't. I mean, I guess nowadays. Ooh, ooh. 
we've got a kid, we've got a, we've got this, uh, I'd say a friend of ours now, This I won't say his name for what I'm going to say after this, but uh, up in the center of California, and he always brings us a huge bag of magic mushrooms that he grows. Yeah. Um, that's always an interesting couple of days after he brings us that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. It's like even, even a lot of the, say for example, this kid up there, like now I've, I've known him for like four or five years now. And I see him every yeah. time we go to his part of the country. So it's like, even if the first time was like, Whoa, this kid just rolled up with his mom and, and with this like huge sack of, you know, whatever it's like, Holy shit. But then you see him the next time and the next time. And then you're just kind of homies. I've got this kid, uh, this kid Tito, and yeah. he's he's kind of my deadhead. He's been to like I think like sixty five or seventy of my shows or so. It's like that's crazy. Like that's a yeah. lot of times to see one band. You know, it's yeah. it's cool. You know, um, there's stuff. Some of the gifts are like kind of nice. Like this kid gave me like a Super Nintendo one night with like old wow. Earthbound cartridge. I was like, wow, this is just really. And he's like, yeah, I want you to have it. It's like cool, man. Like that's great. Is that is that like a cabinet with just gifts from kids? I try and I try and keep a lot of this stuff. There was a point where my studio, the wall was like every drawing that anybody had made of me or like whatever, or any note or whatever was all was all uh, just right in front of my face, which it got a little weird because I'm like, hey, time to make a Mac DeMarco record. And I'd look up and it'd be like Mac DeMarco wall. And I was like, this is a little like, you know, it's a bit fucked. But, uh, but now, I mean, I keep, I, now most of the letters and stuff I have in a box in the in my storage and stuff. You know, I try and read all of them, but I got like uh, you know, there's all the a bunch of bits and bobs on the door there, old posters, weird photos kids have given me. I got a. Uh, actually, I'll show you this one. One sec. I like this. This one I put in a frame. I don't even know who this came from. Apparently, the the person that that gave this to me said her friend couldn't make it to the show because she was having mental health issues or something but i don't know if you can see that that's a little dog with my uh with a hat on with my hat and a cigarette and it says mac debarco and then down here it says dear mac sorry i couldn't make it uh i'm stuck at home with donkey brains uh it's all good though bless yeah it's you know look at that it's nice it's like a nice yeah, yeah that's, that's really cute I want to talk about the first time I saw you live. Yeah. Which was Green Man 2014, right? Yeah. And you climbed to the top of the rigging. Yeah. And dropped down. Yeah. So Did you ever hurt yourself? Like, what was the, there must have been like one accident. Back in the day, before anybody like kind of knew, because I've always crowd surfed. I always just thought it was funny and fun. But uh, back in the day when, I mean, there's been times where I've, you know, I think when we played, we played it. I think we did a couple nights at the Roundhouse in London. This was years ago, but um, but that I remember crowd surfing there and coming back to the stage and like my pants had been ripped to shreds. I had no shirt left, and it was just like covered in scratches. And like the next day, I was all bruised up and stuff. And it was tight, but it was also like Jesus, you know. But uh, but green. That's funny you bring up Green Man. I remember that day so well mm. because we showed up and it's in Wales, a really beautiful part of the world. And, um, and we showed up and I didn't really, I didn't know too many of the bands that were playing that day. And I didn't really, you know, usually when you roll to a festival, you see that's like, Oh yeah. Somebody you've been, you know, hanging with all for six months already or something, but I didn't really know anybody. And, 
And we had this kid showing us around. He took us to this river. And I remember Andy did like this like yoga thing in his underwear in the river. And I have all these memories of it. And then and then I remember being like, wow, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't really know the vibe of this festival. Maybe the show's going to be kind of weird. And then we yeah. went out and it was like, everyone was like, ah! And I was like, oh, okay. Like, here we go. It was also, there was a girl that I talked to after the show. Really uh, small girl, young, I think. And she was telling me that she was a time traveler and that she was actually from like 40 years in the future or something. And she came back to see the show. Totally wow. straight faced. I, you know, I kind of believe her, but I, I don't know if I ever saw her again after that. But um, interesting. But yeah, cream man. But here, you know, it's like I, I feel like doing the jumping or you know falling or whatever like that. Yeah, people catch me now, and it's sketchy. I don't do it as much anymore. I'm a heavier man than I was at that point in time. Now, so it's kind of like you know, it's like throwing a you know potato sack of bricks off like a balcony or something at this point. So I try not to 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 do it because the, the the kids you know it's also the funny thing with that too is as you know me touring went on there was a point in time where you, you play for a crowd that understands how crowd surfing works and you go and you jump and you do the thing and you come back and you finish the song but then i think as the the crowd kind of grew and the the fans got a little younger and they hadn't necessarily been to shows or whatever that often before i would jump i would land and then I would sink because everyone would get the phones out and want to get the selfies. And then I'm in this like insane, like pit of like, you know, underneath me, there's these kids are like, help me. I can't breathe. And I'm like, lift me up, lift me up. And the kids are just like, one more photo, one more photo. And it's just like, this is, this is not good. You know, <laughs> that's not a good vibe. I, I always hate when kids get like injured at the shows, but it hasn't happened considering I'm such an idiot up there. It hasn't happened that many times. So, you know. It's good. That's good. So, like, if Green Man was a big high, uh, do you want to take you to like a point where I saw you play a headline show at a festival? All I can describe it was that you were like abjectly sad afterwards. So this was end of the road, two thousand and seventeen. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the very last show of that tour as well. And it was just like you know, sometimes you just have a weird one. I have weird ones a lot. I think especially during that record cycle too a lot of weird emotions on that record cycle i wrote an album about my dad you know it's like this whole thing yeah, and yeah. then there's you know every couple nights it would just be especially some of those songs we would really draw out and i'd just go into this like <sighs> i don't know i was drinking a lot those yeah. days whole bottle of jameson up there yeah that's a lot yeah you know and um yeah i think i just was a little burnt you know so it wouldn't it wasn't always a good thing. Entertainment industry or performing, there is just this wave that you've got to ride and it's yeah. going to go really high and it's going to go really low. And but I honestly, like, you know, I think that those shows, the funny thing about those shows where it's like, oh, Max having a hard one tonight or like, oh boy, like something's going weird up there. It's funny because I think the fans are kind of like, what the fuck is wrong? But then my friends are always like, dude, that was a crazy show. <laughs> but like they're like like they're, you know i have this one friend mike that's always like dude that was like the craziest performance art i've ever seen and i'm just like uh, and it depends there's a sliding scale you know i can be bummed or i can be you know because i get quite a i can get quite self-destructive up there you know like burn all my fucking chest hair off or whatever you know it's all just drunken idiocy at the end of the day but uh yeah i mean it's it's tough being out on, on tour and and you know it, it 
takes it can it can wear you the fuck out. And sometimes I've been incredibly worn the fuck out. And for a lot of years, even if I was like totally blasted, I'd still just hop up there and do it. But I think you know, yes. I'm older now, I'm slower now, and if I'm feeling it, so is everybody else. On that riding that wave thing, there was a video of you singing karaoke version of "Beautiful Day" by U2 yeah. Yeah, and yeah. showing drumstick up your butt. And now. Yeah. I'm a drummer. I love the idea of drumstick foreplay, but um, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to know what was it that took you, like that? What was the combination of factors that meant that you decided, okay, this is the right thing to do now? Again, probably like just a, a severe amount of booze. But I mean that that whole thing. That was when I was living in Montreal, and it was like pretty common for bands to play completely nude or do insane things on stage, and you know. It's just shock factor, you know what I mean? And uh, that that show, I mean, the funny thing about that show, people talk about it like, yeah, this is like, he did this in this show. Like that show was at like a tiny bar. There were like four of my friends watching. So the video makes it look insane, but it's like, it's literally like me at like 20 on stage naked with a drumstick and like the bar owners being like, what the hell is he doing? Like, what? Are, that's disgusting. And, and, and my friend Frankie had to be like, no, 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 he's like a, He's like an exotic dancer or something. It's all good, you know. So it was like it was, you know. I remember coming off stage and Kira was just like, "What the, the drumstick? Like, what's going on?" You know, "Beautiful Day," great song. Oh yeah, that is a beautiful song. Apparently, I talked to this journalist from the UK at one point. He showed that video to Bono. Oh really? Yeah, and Bono was like, "Okay." <laughs> I mean, that's that's bizarre. Like the shock factor was like part and parcel of your show, right? When life comes back and you go back on tour, that going to continue? Do you think like you're going to be able to like maintain that level of shock? Oh, well, I mean, I don't think I've been able to maintain like drumstick level. It's crazy that I literally am at a point where I can be like, that was 10 years ago. Like that's feels, but anyway, but it's like, uh, I don't know. It's I, I find maybe, maybe when we come back, I don't know. Usually nowadays, like if my shirt comes off or the lighter comes out and I'm burning my nipple hair or something, it's like me being like, oh, God, this uh, I'm not really satisfied musically with the show. Got to get it back. Got to get them back somehow. You know, so it's funny being in coronavirus. I don't really know what it's going to look like when we go back. And I don't really know how I'm going to feel about it. And I don't really know. You know, even even now, it's like things are kind of starting and people are like, oh, let's start booking these half capacity shows. And like, I don't really. I don't know, I'm not super interested in being the guinea pig for like the like COVID trial touring. You know, it's like I, I I love to play music in front of people and I love to write songs and I love to sing for people and blah, blah, blah the whole night, you know, but uh, we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be different. Maybe I think okay. it'll be crazy. I think the people will be ready. I'm ready for it. Yeah, like, let's rock and roll. I was going to ask you about another another video that make, cracks me up every time, which is you were like going around Pitchfork Festival doing the Weird Vibes MTV yeah. uh, interview session. And then you like grab Sky Ferreira. Yeah, yeah. And she is not in a state <laughs> to be having an interview situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, can you take me back to that moment? Yeah, I mean, that whole thing, I didn't really know what I was... My friend Shirley uh, that used to do that Weird Vibes show and I knew about what it was, and she'd had me on it being interviewed before. And she's like, "Do you want to do this at Pitchfork Fest?" And I was like, "Sure." 
but I had no idea. You know, she, she just kind of like hands you the microphone. She's like, go talk to people. And it's like, okay. But uh, yeah, I just went around and, and did my thing all day, talked to a bunch of people. And it was funny because now I've known all those people for a long time, but at the time I didn't know anybody super well, but I, I'd met Sky a bunch of times before that. Like I'd known Sky for probably a year or so at that point. But, you know, Sky, Sky is like, I, I was, you know, I'm being insane person and she's, you know, I'm not shy, but like, she was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, and I didn't know her bandmates or anything, but it's, it's funny to look back on that stuff now and be like, wow, they see that's even that, like that, that idea of like, oh, look at all these bands together, Pitchfork Festival. That felt like a scene to me at the time. I actually haven't seen Sky in a little while, but we always, yeah, to a friend of mine, I, you know, we, yeah. we catch up every time we, uh see each other but it's been a minute yeah it's been a minute with everyone right yeah who, who have you missed most um you know it, it, it changes because there's days where i'm just like god you know i think especially the first maybe half of coronavirus cure always talks about i have uh it's like i get this like weird thing around like eight o'clock where i'm just kind of like my my energy gets like kind of you know like okay okay like what are we gonna do and she's like this is because your body is like used to like getting ready to go on stage you know and i'm just like "Ah, ah, ah," you know uh but that i feel like that's kind of past now but um but i mean i just you know going out playing shows meeting people i mean the, the playing the show part i do miss that but it's funny how much i've been missing you know i i find myself just thinking about like ah i'm in some part of france it's dark out like I haven't seen the sun in four days. There's cobblestone. I'm drunk. Like some annoying French guy is like, won't leave me alone at the bar. Like, you know, those are the things that I miss when usually I'm like, God, get me out of here. But it's like, man, I just miss this, like any part of it, just the travel. You know, it's like, I don't, I've never been in a city this long in, in a long time. Despite like the pandemic, do you think you were ready to take a break? I believe everyone's gained from this period in some yeah. way and everyone's yeah. lost something. But do you like, what's your perspective on it? My whole thing. I mean, yeah, I, I needed a break. I think, you know, I needed to do it. I, th- I was at the point where people were kind of like, Hey Mac, you've been touring for a long time. Like you look like you're about to die. And, uh, you know, maybe you should chill. But the thing is I wouldn't have taken one. You know, I just would have kept going and I was trying to, you know, shape it up a little bit, trying to cut back on the cigarettes, not drink as much, blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't have stopped. I just wouldn't have stopped. And so it's like, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, it's weird to say, but like, I'm lucky in a way that this thing kind of shut it down. And and the funny thing too, is like with this break, I think a lot of people have been like, yeah, I'm recording 9 million albums, writing songs, blah, 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 blah. And I've worked on music a bunch and done stuff, but it's like, I think I had a little thing initially where I was like, I don't want to force it and i don't want to you know so a, a lot of this break it hasn't been music i mean it, i'm a musician so it's kind of always music vibe in my world but uh i it's just kind of been like a, a human break like i'm just like trying to just relax and be what i am you know what i mean so so i don't know you've had, you've had Kara with you which is yeah she's me yeah, we're hanging locked down at the crib for it's crazy that it's actually, I've been saying like, oh, we've been in quarantine for a year for like five months, but uh, now it's actually been a year, which is crazy. Oh, wow. 
you've been on some pretty crazy support tours. Who was the like person you were most looking forward to to tour with? And then who was the one that disappointed you most or the weirdest one? Or the time when you were like, this guy is <laughs> is off the chain? Playing with Phoenix back in the day was crazy just because it was like, and those guys are real sweet. They're really, really nice guys. And they were, it was really sweet of them to bring us out. We were kind of just these little fucking, you know, gremlin shits at the time. Like, eh, like, what's that? Like, we didn't shower today. You know, it's like, <laughs> and they're like these like nice, like well-dressed French guys and stuff. Yeah. And, you know. But that was just interesting because it was like, we really had no idea what we were doing. And the venues were way bigger than we were used to playing. So that it was kind of a shock in that way. But We've taken a lot of bands out. I don't know. I feel like, you know, I'm I'm pretty selective with like who we have play with us. Like usually, usually if I'm having a band out, it's like they're my friends or, you know, somebody there's usually some kind of acquaintance before or or I get some kind of vibe where it's like, I think we'll get along with these people because, you know, aside from wanting to help people share their music, if I like their music or whatever, it's like I want especially when it's like a touring party. It's like you want to be able to hang out with these people. It feels like a big family. You know what I mean? There's nothing, nothing too shocking, but I think like when I, when I do think that there'll be some kind of bond like that and, you know, several bands have come with us and it's just kind of, you just never see them or they never want to hang. It's kind of like, what? Like, come on. It's meant a lot to me, like on a personal level, having this kind of like, because you're people you tour with, uh, they're like, it's a certain type of relationship. Mm. right or people that you support and like for whatever reason like there's been a bunch of times when i've been going through some shit with like regards to like me being in drag or like coming out of my mm. shell and you've just like totally like been like oh hey dude like come on out like yeah good and like that kind of like support is something that you know is has been so important to like my life for sure Mm. um so thank you for that hey uh, you're my homie it's all g was there like a moment when you were like okay this is the end like this is it i'm gonna die because i've had a few of those one in particular like we were saying in SeaTac just before kxp session and police turned up at our door because the, the hotel called and we're like they're chasing us around with knives and i just remember what? opening the <laughs> I just remember opening the door and on the other side were like three big burly policemen with like hands on guns and I was like oh, okay this is this is as close as it gets I mean that sounds fucked up yeah I mean I've had some I eh, there's probably a lot of scenarios that I should have died probably you know but I, I don't think i'm ever like confronted with like oh my god this is it you know it's like i'm always just kind of like let's party you know but uh i mean the, the the times that i feel that way are on fucking flights i fucking hate flying i fucking hate it and it's like you know you're flying through southeast asia or some shit or even somewhere in the, you know and you drop like 600 feet it's like sweet you know jesus mary and joseph like this is it like goodbye you know there i i don't know there's days like that i there's a, there's been a couple, you know, in my unhealthier stints on tour, I'll come back from crowd surfing and like be like, come on, Maggie, like catch that breath, you know, like you can't, you know, just like really having to battle my way back up. And then I'm like, I feel like I'm going to collapse, but I never do. I'm, here's the thing. I'm a cockroach. I'm a cockroach. 
you know, I'm a cockroach. And I just don't, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to kill a cockroach, you know? So. Not to, not even dying. Like I just remember once we broke down in the tunnel between Switzerland and Italy. And I was like, we're never getting out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, we broke down so many times. I remember. Yeah. But I, I almost like kind of cherish those moments. It's like, uh-oh, tire exploded in the Mojave Desert. It's like, you know, then you got to pull over. You got to, you know, change the tire. Yeah, I don't know. There's, We've never really, you know, thankfully we've never been in like a serious accident while on tour or anything like that. We've hit animals before. You know, that's always awful. Honestly, as long as I'm not on a fucking plane, I don't care. Everything is great yeah. in the van. Everything's great in the bus. I don't mind on the plane, you know, the trains, whatever, all good boats. I love the boats, you know, no problem. Planes though. Fuck that shit. I hate them. I hate them so much. I love the plane. I hate the van. Like I'm over the van. Like I'm, I'm out the other side and I'm just done with it. Like no control on the plane. No control. Can't, can't pull over at the circle K get the slushy. No, it's up to that fucking captain up front. They don't even know how to fly anymore with this fucking automated computer shit. They just get on the horn. Oh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We just hit a pocket of severe turbulence. I got time for that. I'm paying hundreds of dollars so I can be, you know, incredibly uncomfortable for like a 16-hour stretch. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Although I'll tell you, there's been a couple instances because we only fly with Delta. You know, you get the mile program, blah, 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 blah. A couple instances where they're like, guess what? You're the only whatever medallion on this flight and you get the lay flat seat. And it's like, oh, baby. And I'll tell you, even if it's crazy turbulent up there and shit's going crazy, if I'm laying down up in the air, fucking kill me. I don't give a shit. I'm comfortable. (laughs) Kill me. Go ahead. Crash this motherfucker. Take me down. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about epigenetics anyway. And like, I think it must be like the Jew in me that when Mm -hmm. there's a problem, I just immediately assume that the end is nigh. Uh, <laughs> there was this one time in the Philippines when the plane did not take off the ground. Mm. Um, That's cool. So, yeah, yeah. So we're going along the runway, and we suddenly break, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" It, that was the only time in my life where, like, there was a situation, and the main language that everyone was speaking wasn't English. Yeah, yeah. And that that fucked me up because yeah. for the first time in my life. I was sat there with someone talking at me being like, you have to jump off of this ramp now. And I'm like, sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) And and they put me in a hotel, but it wasn't like, so I'd been staying, you know, like five seasons or whatever, five star Philippines, like luxury. Uh uh I I end up in like the hotel airport and it's really dodgy and no one speaks any English. And I was, Mm. I, I was like, the end is nigh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, on that on that note, I've also been preparing my Fiddler on the Roof, like drag queen on the roof version. It's the Jew in me. Just that re- sounds great. Oh yeah, it's yeah. gonna be grand. Yeah. I don't it's know if I've actually ever seen Fiddler on the Roof. I'm not quite, much of a musical guy. It's quite a long watch. You're not a musicals guy. No. Well, I mean. That shocks me because I like I, some of the songs. I don't know. I think it's just, it's not, I don't know. 
I, I, we saw uh, the, the the most recent one that I you know I've seen them in high school or whatever. But uh, we saw Book of Mormon on on Broadway. But I feel like that's you know that's not exactly the same right, thing. Right. You know, kind of. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. My brother is really really into it. He's a ballet dancer and uh, was really you know. I remember coming home for Christmas and I'd be like, what are you listening to? He's like, it's a soundtrack to Les Mis, you fucking idiot. And I was like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> Maybe just escape me. I have another friend who um, is a very close friend of mine, but his brother's in the ballet. And um, it's always funny when they're together because you get one version of pristine glory. Mm-hmm. And Scotty, my friend, is like, he's in a band and stuff. And he's like just slacker realness. Yeah. And, it's, but they're, yeah. they're exactly the same person. Yeah. But just like one is built for the gods and one is built for It's like, exactly the same. Yeah. Like I I I get the double chin. He's got the like chiseled Adonis. Like he's like, yeah, I eat like four McDonald's meals a day. I just can't seem to put on weight. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like shut up. Like just don't even fuck with me like that. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, good kid though. But uh Jesus Christ, I'll tell you. Does he bring the ballet friends to the shows? He did. Well, he was in the Nevada Ballet and he lived in Las Vegas. So uh, when we would, we we don't play Vegas that often, but we did play once and he came out with a bunch of his homies and, and he actually did like a pretty crazy, like uh, like ballet dive for a stage dive. It was the most elegant uh, stage dive I've ever seen. <laughs> Playing Vegas is a weird one, right? Vegas is weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's a couple people, you know, a couple of my bandmates, even a couple of people, the sound guys that work with us, they love it. They're like, ooh, we're going to Vegas. Let's go gamble. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just kind of like, the appeal is not there for me. I, I don't, it's funny. You know, I've, I have gambled before. And when you win, it's like, wow, this is crazy. But I don't think that it's one of the, you know, and I have a very addictive personality. You know, I smoke like two packs of cigarettes a day, but it's like something about that that vice i i just i don't think it could ever i don't think i get sucked into it you know it's uh the one that scares me actually is vegas is vegas right and you know you go and it's all flashy lights the one that fucks me up is reno reno's really strange <laughs> it's really the only place where i've ever seen uh a woman playing slots having pushed her elderly mother into the corner in her wheelchair oh my cool. god and this poor woman was just staring at the corner of the room while her daughter was just pulling down this slot machine. Oh, I can, I can it's, Yeah, it's like junior Vegas, but darker. See, it's just like, it's too greasy for me. I, I like the concept of it, but I, and a lot of people here, even in LA, like love slipping into that character. Like, yeah, going to Vegas for the weekend, going to do it up. And I just, it's not, it, I can't do it. It's not, I don't know. It's too weird for me, but for some people some people love it yeah true so the the basic question that that i have to ask everyone although i'm kind of getting bored of asking this question what is your unexpected tour item what do you need to make tour work for you mine Uh, by the way i've actually decided on mine mine is a bottle of poppers which by the way if anyone's not carrying poppers on tour i highly recommend it we last time we had a bottle of poppers i'll i'll leave the name uh out but uh one of my bandmates we were at a strip club in honolulu in hawaii and they sold them at the strip club and we all did a bunch right as we said we sat down right at the at the table 
They're like at the stripper platform. And one of my bandmates took a big pop and just vomited all over the stripper floor. It was so crazy. <laughs> We're having a hard night. But um, yeah, insane. But um, yeah, I guess I what it would be my one trying to think of like, mm, what's something that I kind of keep keep away from the others um while you're thinking i did have another idea for a game on tour yeah which again, i think is something like that goes comes down to my jewishness but you have a little picture of hitler plan is you you try and get it into someone else's like the guitar case or their, their pocket <laughs> oh or whatever my God. <laughs> and whoever's it has got Hitler. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I like, I don't, well, I don't struggle with it. I'm just like, my grandma would hate me. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's a spicy little game right there. That's yeah. spicy. Yeah. Um, I wonder, uh, I don't know. My, what do I got? What, what, what do I take? I, I feel like I'm pretty basic on tour. This is why I'm done with this question because like the things that you need to take on tour are like, Five. I'll tell you the stupidest thing that I used to take on tour all the time. I got one right here. I used to, this is my first stint of like, yeah, I'm going to write on the road. Yeah. And you know, you, you think, you know, you want to write on the road. You could take like a little pocket recorder. You could take your laptop, a little interface or something. No, I decided to take one of these tape machines. And this was back in the day when we were just in like tiny sprinters or like little vans. And, you know, there's no, we, we weren't even staying in hotels. We're staying, so what, the place that I would use this is like sandwiched in between two guys on the bus with like my guitar on, like my elbow, like going into their chest. And they're like, dude, like, fuck you. Like, we fucking hate you. You know, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's like, why I will have to record on tour and it has to be on tape. Like, come on. Like, it's so, so I don't know. It's so dumb. But that's probably the most ridiculous thing that I've tooted around with me for months and months at a time would you say you're responsible for the peak in tape sales around mid 2010s um i don't know i mean i think that i i definitely because i talked about how i recorded so much i think that people were kind of like oh but you know there's a bunch of people that still you know like like ruben from umo always used because you know he used open reel machines like ariel pink would use cassette record like a lot of bands were doing the, the thing so i don't know if i was like the prototype but i definitely liked talking about it because it's cool and people go like "Ooh, how did he get that sound ah he recorded on a shitty tape machine it's like yes yes i did uh, oh you know what here i got one other thing that i do this is this has become a bit of a tradition for me on tour in the bus I always need, because uh, I, I never sleep in the bunk. I don't like the bunk. I don't like the coffin. I like the, the little back room. I take the back room and it's got a little couch. It's got a little TV. I can set up a little thing and I just sleep on the couch back there. But what I've started doing is going to um, to like uh, a comic book stores or anime stores and buying uh, sexy, sexy uh, Dragon Ball characters to put on my shelf to help me feel a little less lonely i believe i got this bulma in uh brussels but yeah just a little a little sex a little sexy time for me in my little cave back up there <laughs> yeah that's what i do it's funny i kind of feel like i don't really have a band right now like half the guys are in canada you know it's just like i don't know um 
but no, everybody, it's funny. It's funny how that even that evolves, you know, it's like comparatively yeah. to back in the day when we used to do it in my Volvo and it was just like, we all stunk. Like there's yeah. just like cigarette butts everywhere. Like, you know, banana peels and like a bottle of piss and like, and now it's like, it's like, you know, we all get to the airport. It's like, Oh, I love your new luggage. Like, what is that? Uh, you know, mm, nice. Like what's your toiletries bag? You know? Ooh. Oh yeah. This, this shaver is actually really good. The battery life is great. You know, it's just like that kind of shit. So it's, we've all grown up a little bit. I, I feel like sometimes I'm the the one that's lagged the most in that uh, de- de- department, but I don't know. Trying to keep it clean. You know, how do you manage to keep up your identity as Mac outside of Mac DeMarco? That's the struggle for me. And weirdly, drag is what's allowed me to separate performance and reality. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing because I always tried to make them the same thing. You know what I mean? Like me on stage is... But obviously... You know, you do something once, it becomes part of this like character you create. And then it's like, you know, I it's it's tough. It's weird because people expect certain things from you and they start there's yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I am me and I do wear hats and I do smoke cigarettes and I do, you know. But then there is that me there's that version you know what i mean but i think i think what i've just kind of realized is i'm what i focus on now is just doing you know doing me i'm i'm happy to meet the people i'm glad that people listen to my music i i'm happy to play for people but it's like i'm just focusing on like the reality of the situation and the other guy i've just i kind of just gave him up a long time ago which is weird because it is essentially the same thing but it's like i i just i think i kind of had to give up thinking about it you know what i mean where it's like, um, I remember years ago, maybe this is three, four years ago in interviews all the time. I used to just, I used to say like, I think I've become a meme, you know, where it's like, you see this, this mimetic version of yourself or whatever. And it's like, and I don't think, you know, I don't think I'm even like relevant enough anymore to be called something like that. But, um, but yeah, I think at that point it was just kind of like, well, there is that and there will be that. And I think that if I just send them off and people can do whatever the fuck they want with it, then I, that's fine with me. And I'm happy just exploring what I am or trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. But it is confusing sometimes, you know. Even though I was in like, you know, this like creative industry, it took me years to like come to terms with like doing drag or like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like understand who I really was. Yeah. Uh, and kind of like if anything this year has given me some more time to like actually like just like identify with me. So I'm kind of yeah. thankful for it in a way yeah i think Uh, like you said everybody's it's a fucking crazy year but everybody's getting something good out of it yeah i think yeah um so what's on the cards now you got your label true here we go (laughs) oh max record label real funny name yeah (laughs) um and who's who recently came out on it as well uh, I'm helping my friend Tex Crick. Uh, he's putting out his record. He usually, I met him because he usually plays with, uh, Kieran J. Callanan. Um, and he, he's, he's always kind of made his own music and he does his own thing and it's really great. And he sent me this record. 
just to check out. And he was like, I kind of want it mixed. And I was like, well, I could kind of help you. So we kind of did that. To, he, he pretty much mixed it. I just helped him kind of seal it up. And then, um, yeah. And I was like, well, you want to put it out? We, I have this label thing. I don't, I don't really do anything with it. And he was like, sure. So here we are. But I really love that record. And uh, yeah, I'm doing that. What else am I, what's all what else is in the cards? I guess I'll probably make a new record soon, uh, but I don't know. The whole thing with that is like, I don't know. If, I'd like to be able to put it out and then go play it, you know? So I yeah. think that's kind of been holding me back as far as, you know, everything going on, but um, I will make a record eventually. I've been working on other stuff. I've been recording some other people. Uh, I don't know if I can really talk about any of those albums yet, mm -hmm. but just trying to stay busy, trying to make beautiful art and live my life baby well you're doing it well honey <laughs> So we bring the curtain down on our first ever pink room. Thanks to Matt DeMarco for being such a saint. If there's one thing that I'm going to take away from our conversation, it's the power of connection and how connection is essential to building memories. And if there's anything that you've heard about in the podcast that you'd like to check out, go to ashkenazi.uk where you can find content related to the podcast, including that video of Mac and the drumstick. Join us next week where you'll find out what made Charlie Steen think this. And I jump up and I land in this water, but it isn't water, it's Fanta Orange. And remember, Queens, what happens on tour definitely gets shared in the pink room. Ta-ra for now. Yeah.